0: Hello and welcome to another episode of KCSU Music Interviews with me, Sam Bulkley. This was an interview that took place over the phone on August tenth, twenty eighteen, with vocalist and guitarist of the band Bad Bad Hats. Thanks for listening. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Awesome. So you guys just released your record. Have you guys have played any shows yet?
1: So uh we've only played i guess one show since the album's been out um and that was in chicago i guess that was last weekend um, uh, yeah that sounds right um and then we have our release show is uh next saturday or this saturday wow okay things are happening <laughs> coming up coming up really quick. quick yeah i know um, yeah this will, this uh, our release show week, our second show since the album's been out we have not playing a few of the songs from the album on uh, on tour this past summer. So
0: okay, nice. Yeah. So you, you're 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 still pretty comfortable with playing the the songs even though they're newly released.
1: Right. Yeah. We we tried to do that because I think last <laughs> time when we released Psychic Reader, we didn't give ourselves a lot of time to play the songs in front of people before our release show, and um, I especially remember feeling like very scared on stage. Yeah. And so now I was like, you know what? I'd like to feel a little bit more comfortable.
0: Completely <laughs> understandable. At our yeah.
1: Show. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, we purposely try to give ourselves some more time to get comfortable with some of the songs.
0: That's good. I, I kind of want to yeah. I I kind of want to start out by saying I um first saw you guys in um St. Louis actually when you were on tour with the Front Bottoms this last year. Oh nice. Um, yeah. and it's it's really cool cuz um I'd never been to St. Louis before and I wasn't going to be able to make the show in Denver. Um, so me and my friend flew out to St. Louis, and it's it's really cool because I think that I was listening to Psychic Reader a ton during that trip, and now whenever I go back to um, listen to it, I always just have like weird flashbacks of either seeing you guys in St. Louis or just random different places in St. Louis that oh, are sure, yeah. that have kind of culminated from just uh, listening to that album while being there. Um,
1: totally.
0: And so I was wondering if you had any songs or albums that are like that where you go to a new place and you're listening to either new music or older music that kind of um, in, gives an impression of a of an event in your life or something like that.
1: Yeah. So I think I was actually just thinking the other day about this because um, I studied abroad in Paris in college and it was one of my favorite experiences of my life Just I was living on my own for the first time and it's such a great city and i really i really enjoyed it and i think it was just like at the perfect time in my life and i was just thinking that there were, there were, i was listening to a lot of music when i was there but i associate two albums um specifically with being there which is um uh jessica lee mayfield album which i forget what it's called now but i think her first album and then uh darwin dees's first album and those who i just listened to over and over again in paris and now whenever i hear those albums i i really do feel like i you know, like I'm really instantly taken back to like that time in my life, and really associate it with that experience. Um, but I like that about music. I think there are a lot of songs in my life that I really associate with a certain age or like a certain trip or something. I like, I always like making um, mixes for like road trips and stuff. So I have a lot of uh, CDs like that that I really associate with certain trips. But yeah, that's what I really like about music in general, that it does that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Do you guys have, like, any specific tour playlists that you listen to, or is it just kind of a large variety of whatever everybody's listening to at the time?
1: Oh, yeah. I think, like, they, they like, develop over the tour, you know? So it's, like, I feel like I have a set of songs going into tour that I, like, um, almost always it works out that I have a few songs that I'm really excited about, and so I play them for everyone in the van and, you know, feel out, see what people like, and the ones that everyone likes, they get added to the tour playlist, and then, you know, like... Um, we'll all do the same, like, whoever's driving um, chooses the music, usually, so um, we'll all just, like, find songs that resonate with us, but then sometimes, like, we hear a song in, like, a restaurant or something, that we're like, what's this? And that gets added to the playlist, and I like when that happens too, because I feel like that is really, those songs, like, really become, like, reminiscent of of certain tours, so yeah, that's always a fun project on tour, to make the playlist.
0: Yeah, nice. Um, So I wanted to talk about the new album, um, Lightning Round, a bit. So, was that entire album recorded live, or was it just a few specific songs?
1: Yes, no, not the entire album was recorded okay. live. Um Yes, I don't know we've seen a few people uh, write that, and we're like, uh, well, that's fine. We'll clear that up. But I think, um, I think that's come up because it, it on Psychic Reader, we didn't do anything like together. Yeah. We did almost. I think we did almost everything, just like track by track, one at a time. Like, Chris did all the drums, and then we did, like, you know, we did all the bass tracks, and then we did the guitar track. You know, so everything was just, like, one person recording something at a time. Um, So for Lightning Round, any live recording was, like, a really new experience for us. So that's why I think it keeps coming up. Um, But, yeah, so, yeah, not everything was done live. Um, I think on the album, Absolute Worst and 365, those definitely, almost all the instruments were recorded um, together. Okay. And then we did a few overdubs on top. Um, a lot of the songs, the bass and the drums we did at the same time, which is kind of exciting to ha- kind of see that come together um, at the same time. And then some of the songs, like uh, uh, like um, three of us would go in there and play like keyboard or two guitars or something. So we tried to do as much as we could with multiple people playing something at the same time to sort of get that sort of like feeling of collaboration and like um, improvisation in some points. Um, but yeah, no, it was not all live, but a lot of it was, especially for us. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you think that those, um, are you are, are you planning on playing those live recorded songs um, on your tour at all? Or do you think that they have more potential for being played at live shows since they were recorded that way or...
1: Well, yeah, in some ways, it's like, it's kind of, um, it's always a little tricky to put together the set because we, and it was a little easier this time because we had all, you know, like everyone had, was playing something or kind of knew what they were um, doing. But uh, we often, I mean, we often record as though we have like an eight piece band. We got a keyboard, you got a synth, you got like shakers. Um, But we like doing that in the studio. I think that's to me, that's what's fun about the studio is just really being able to like stretch your legs and be creative with what you have and just you know like play whatever's available to make the song cool. Uh, but then it can be a challenge when we are putting together the the tour. Um, so we're like, okay, there are only four of us, so how do we accomplish <laughs> like all of these instruments? Um, but that's a really a really fun challenge in the end. Um, but because of that, I think the live show is. Is a different experience than the recording, um, which we hope people appreciate. That it's just a different, uh, a different uh, presentation of the songs. But, uh, but yeah, we will be playing uh, nine out of ten songs on tour. So,
0: oh, nice! Yeah. That'll be that'll be awesome. Yeah. Um. And so, when you guys play live, you you switch around your instruments and everything, um, and are pretty versatile. How many um, instruments do you all collectively? play then
1: so i um so for this tour we'll be like we'll have a set instrument that we're playing um so so there's no, the, no swapping uh,
0: around or anything
1: no swapping around the okay have swapped around on other tours yeah um and we swap around but like then stick to one thing for the tour so for instance like on the front bombs tour we we traded um guitar and bass chris and i did and Chris is on bass, and I was on guitar, and Connor was on drums. But for this tour, Connor will be on bass, Chris and I will be on guitar, and our friend Reese is going to play drums with us. Um, so yeah, we're always we're always mixing and matching, but that will be the that will be the lineup for this
0: tour. Okay, nice. Yeah. hmm. Um, yeah. And so for um, back to recording the album again, real quick. Um, how, do, yeah. how how is the process kind of different? Approaching it than Psychic Reader, I read that you guys, um, your producer, kind of pushed you to try to do things differently um, when you're coming in the, with the mindset of ca- trying to keep it kind of the same and do the same pattern kind of deal. Um, but so, what did your uh, producer do to kind of change things up?
1: Well, so I think like so we um, when we did Psychic Reader, Chris and I had the intention of doing it ourselves um, at first. So we, you know, we worked really hard on demos that we thought were going to be, like, the final product. So they were, like, pretty developed arrangements. Um, so, like, we had a lot of the parts figured out going into Psychic Reader. So I think that's why it kind of made – I don't know if it made more sense, but it just – it felt like the thing to do going to Psychic Reader to be like, okay, like, we have these recordings that are, like, very much like the arrangement. So let's just re – you know, like, do them with Brett. Um but we uh, we like have the map already of where we would want the song to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Lightning Round, since we knew we were going to work with Brett going in, we just sort of like kept the demos very open, and like not as many, um, you know, just like not as not as like fleshed out as our Psychic Reader demo. We'd go in the studio and work on stuff, and so we kind of wanted to leave them more open, so going into the process of lighting around, there was a lot more room to just build and see where the songs could go. Um, so I think that alone like, really shaped where the songs ended up because it's just like we showed up at the studio and I was still under the impression that we do it like we did Psycho where It's like, okay, let's do the drums. Great, that's done. Check. Let's do the bass. Okay, that's done. Great. Um, but Brett would just be like, okay, like actually, how about you like, the two of you go into the, like, into the studio and record guitar parts together. And I'd be like, but there's not a guitar part right <laughs> Like, yeah, just go in there and figure out what feels good. And I'm the kind of person I'm like, ah, oh, like, no. <laughs> like, I need my structure and my organization. But I think uh, that was so much more inspiring at the end of the day to sort of, you know, not know what the song would sound like in the morning and then by the evening the evening have something that you never imagined would be possible for the song. So
0: yeah. Did you end up, sorry, did you, did you, did you end up with um, like any songs that surprised you when they came out finally? Like when you went in at first, it just came out completely different than you went into it with.
1: Yeah. So I think like there were a couple songs that kind of like got to a place that was like really different, but then kind of came back around to like my initial intention. So like, Right on your heart and talk with your hands, I think, are good examples of songs that, like, in the end, were, like pretty close to the spirit of the demos. Um, but like, we took like a longer journey to get there, which I think was important for like instrumentation and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think, um, I think 1800 um, and get what I want stand out as the ones that those were the those were like the newest songs going into recording so i had like get what i wanted to i think i wrote like a week before we went to the studio so it was really just like raw I-, I only had a phone demo so we hadn't done any kind of arranging um so that one especially it was just like i had no idea what it would be and i was like okay <laughs> like this is cool <laughs> um so it's cool to be surprised by your own song um, yeah and one 800 that was the first one we did Um, and Brett just put, um, Connor and Chris in a room and they started playing the bass and drums and just, there wasn't a drum part written and it was cool to stand in the room with Brett and listen to Chris and Connor play and like hear it becoming what it was going to become. And yeah, that was like, yeah, a really inspiring uh, experience for all of us, I think.
0: Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Um, yeah. So, and I also wanted to focus kind of on um, "Get What You Want" because for that one, when I listen to it, it's just it's it's a pretty strictly like very simple song, but everything just fits together and melds together so perfectly. Well, cool, thank you. And um, so, I guess it was just like kind of the, that molding experience of finding out where everything fits kind of worked out better than having it all planned out beforehand.
1: In some ways, yeah. Because like sometimes I like. You know, I have, like, a, I have my own idea of, like, what the song should be, and I, like, I, like, value my own opinion on that kind of stuff, and, like, they're my songs, and so, like, you know, like, you feel, you get, like, an attachment to them, so it's sometimes hard to let them grow beyond what you've imagined for them, because, you know, it feels like, for me, at least, it feels like sometimes, like, I'm losing some of, like, my agency over the songs, but... Every time that I've worked in a, in a situation where I kind of, like, you know, let my guard down and just let let other creative energy in, it almost always ends up with something way better than if I just, you know, kept it to myself and only listened to my own, like, intuition. Um, so it's been, like, that's been a really good, like, learning experience for me over the years, just, um, you know, valuing my opinions, but, you know, Seeing the beauty and the strength and collaboration has been really amazing so that one like and that's why i like working with brett Bullion because i think he and i both have a we both have a strong sense of um how we want the songs to be and like what's important in the songs and i think the balance that we strike together is is really cool um and so i like working with brett too because like it's not like get what i want he was like he really enjoyed the the demo that I sent, which was just guitar and vo- voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but the guitar that I was playing was like a really different vibe to what it became. And he was like, he, he he sort of just like, he's like, okay, I know that I want the song to be like, like something. And you're like, okay, but like, what do you mean? And he's like, okay, what if we get like a box or something? Like, I think this needs the drums need to be like a box. And you're like, what? <laughs> What do you mean? But then you know he'd like cobble something together in the studio. So I think we found like a like a plastic tub or something, and like the cover of a guitar case, and that's like what the drums are in the in the verses. It's like brushes on like weird things in the studio. And so I think Brett just like has a he has a vision of what he wants, um, and sometimes it's it's like a really um, going be like a really exciting process to see him figure out like how to create that world um so yeah it's nice to be along for the ride sometimes
0: yeah for sure um so for uh, a lot of your songs like i i always um whenever i listen to it i always just kind of think of a happy melancholy kind of sound um yeah sure. in, in pop music but um So a lot of it um, consists of very, like, nervous and regrettable thoughts from different relationships. How does that kind of play out now that you're married to your bandmate and writing songs Uh about um, (laughs) kind of before?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's like, I think um, it's not, I mean, like, it's not, like, a problem, but it is kind of funny, like, having – When I want to write about when I want to write about like heartache or breakups or something, I do have to like harken back to like a time that at this point is like a very long time ago. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I think um, I like I like tapping into those kinds of just like even just like you know like cliche like love story feelings. Like I think you know I'll always be writing about heartache and. Breakups, because that's just like I, you like it's, it's you always remember what that, what that felt like when you went through it. And to me, it's just, to me, it's storytelling and it's tapping into something that people relate to, but trying to find a way to express that that is maybe people haven't heard before. And I feel like it's pretty easy for me to, to, to you know, I look to my friends and what they're going through. That's that inspires me a lot with my lyrics. Um, and yeah, I'm trying to, to think about, um, being in a long-term relationship and they're like, they're like small, they're like small moments of heartache, even when you are in a relationship that, you know, like there are fights and, mm-hmm. um, and then there's like, you know, the feeling of, yeah, like I think makes me nervous and automatic. I was trying to think of thinking of this feeling of like you know, you, you spend your life with someone and you get to know them so well, but that, that only amplifies loss. It just like only amplifies, it's like to love someone is to be like even more hurt by the loss of that person. Um, so I think about that a lot where it's sort of like love is always like a double-edged sword in that way. Um, yeah, I don't know. I try to think about a lot of stuff and I just love rom coms and stuff too. So yeah, I love thinking of like a good the way a good rom com makes you feel. I like I like to try to make songs that give you that same feeling.
0: Yeah, where you kind of get all the mixes of emotions and
1: totally you 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 get get those butterflies. You get to feel the whole ride. Yeah, totally.
0: Um, So is it is it right if I just do like two or three more quick ones?
1: Oh sure, yeah. Okay,
0: cool. Um, So. You guys all kind of met in Minneapolis, is that right, in college? Yeah. Cool. Do you yep. guys?
1: So, um, yeah, Chris and I and Noah all went to McAllister together. That's where the band started. Yeah. And we met we met Connor in the scene, yeah.
0: Nice. Um, so mm-hmm. are, are there any, like, specific bands that you kind of look up to that are from Minneapolis or that you play with a lot and kind of support each other? Or?
1: Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, there are so many. And, like, but I think about when we, we first started in Minneapolis, um, so like some of the first people we met and started playing with who are still our, our friends to this day, there's a band called strange relations. Um, who we love who we, we feel like we've been with from the start. Um, uh, we have a, a friends in a band called Carol. They've since moved to Philadelphia, but, um, they're also, they went to Macalester too. So they were like our, um, they've always been like our buddy band. Um, but then, yeah, there's so many great bands in the scene. I mean, like, Connor is in a band called Wingman, and he makes his own solo music. And we sort of found him because Wingman recorded with Brett, and Brett suggested Connor. Um, so we've met so many people through the scene. Nice. Um, I feel like Caroline Smith was one of the first local artists who I ever saw perform in the Twin Cities. And that was really cool for me to see. Um, cause I, I hadn't really lived somewhere where I could see shows and I hadn't played many shows. And, um, I think I just, I saw her perform at like the perfect time to be like, you know, like I should, I should try this. Like, I, like I want to start a band and, and play music. So I've always kind of looked to Caroline Smith as like my first, uh, the first person I looked up to in the music scene.
0: That's awesome. Um, yeah. And so uh, this is this is going to be a weird question, but I do it for every band. Are you familiar? Okay. <laughs> are Are you familiar with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles?
1: Um, yes, fairly familiar. Okay. I wish, um, I wish Noah uh, were here. He's he's more well versed.
0: Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> if you had to pick a favorite, you can do it by color too. If you don't know their names, there's no okay. shame in that. Um, which one would be your favorite? Which one of the turtles?
1: Favorite Teenage Mutant Ninja. yes um i'm gonna okay i'm gonna just say one but it's gonna be i feel like it's gonna be dangerous because i really have no idea (laughs) i like don't know the personalities of these people so i'm i'm afraid i'm gonna like i'm afraid i'm gonna misrepresent myself (laughs) but the first name that came to mind was donatello okay
0: that was that's a that's a good pick, and How that's honestly that, that that is that is a good pick. That's honestly what most people say because he's kind of the oh, really? uh, the straight minded thinker kind of type. Um, oh,
1: I think that that I relate to that.
0: <laughs> and he, he usually has to he has to hassle all the group together and kind of play the dad role a lot of the times.
1: Oh, dad <laughs> role? Okay, yeah, I relate to that. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I'm organized. <laughs> what color is he?
0: He's a uh, purple.
1: Purple, okay. Oh, we got it pulled up on WikiHero. He's apparently the least violent. So yes, that, that too. To that <laughs> <good>. <laughs> that's a okay, that's great. a that's a good random pick then. <laughs> yes, good. I knew it in my heart. That's the <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. And then um just for the the final um one, um, do you have any advice for aspiring artists?
1: Yeah, I feel like uh my advice is always just keep making good art. I feel like um, it's, it can be really easy to get hung up on like process and like the business side of things and like the grind because it can be a grind for a long time. And sometimes it's like, in some ways, it's always a grind. Like it's a job, like everything else. But it's a really, it's a really rewarding job um, when you really step back and look at it. But yeah, I would say just like it, it should be fun and it should be, uh, you know, I think when people are making good art and enjoying the process i think other people see that and enjoy it too so yeah
0: awesome that's that's some Mm -hmm. great great words of wisdom yeah thank you (laughs) um and so just uh lastly um you guys are playing at the high dive now not the marquee theater yes yes Um,
1: the high dive correct
0: on the on the 22nd which is the wednesday next week
1: i know it's coming up
0: cool Sweet. Yeah. Um, so I will hopefully see you there. Thank you so much for... Um, that would be great. Yeah, thanks so much for calling and talking. Oh
1: my gosh, our pleasure. Yeah, if you're there, <laughs> we always hang at the merch table, so come say hi. Cool,
0: yeah, I'll definitely stop by.
1: Awesome, thanks so much. Awesome, place. thanks so much, Carrie. Thanks
0: for talking to me. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of KCSU Music Interviews. I would like to thank Carrie Alexander from Bad Bad Hats for chatting with me. My name is Sam Boakley. I hosted this interview, engineered the audio, and produced this podcast. If you would like to hear more podcast episodes from us, you can find them at kcsufm.com, on SoundCloud, and on iTunes.